0: Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows that we do at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not, please take a moment and go check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash major spoilers. If you think your entertainment is worth a buck an episode, that's great. We'd certainly appreciate that kind of a donation. Find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers.
1: In this issue, by popular demand, we feature not only the Dark Knight detective, but the amazing Amazon, as Bruce Wayne is accused of murder, and I learn how to pronounce Hikatia. It's a double helping of MSPTPB, brought to you by the team that loves comics, and you do too. So saddle up, shine your spurs, and put on your best suede vest, because the Major Spoilers Podcast is riding the range, and it's on the air.
0: Welcome to issue 879 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. And thank you, everybody, for the kind words of support uh, when we uh, decided not to do a show last, last week. Uh, so many people were uh, indeed supportive of our support of letting uh, other voices be heard, and uh, I appreciate that. I figured we would get a few very bad comments, and we got a few, but uh, by far there were more positives than negatives on that. So okay. we're going to do things a little bit different this week. Instead of doing individual single issues, because everyone took the time to read Wonder Woman, the Hakatia. Uh, Last week, we're going to do a a two for this week. We're actually going to do two trade paperbacks. And and really, by the time we're done with this show, it's more like 10 trade paperbacks. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we'll get to those in just a moment as we talk about the news. And there's only one really news, big news stories that is in comics right now that everybody is still talking about. I'm still getting Twitters even as, as we're recording this episode. DC Comics has officially announced that it's ditching Diamond uh, comic distributors and going with the two distributors, uh, UCS and uh, whatever the other one, Lunar Distributors, uh, for their, for their um, exclusive distribution. They're no longer going to be distributing comic books through Diamond. And this has really caused a huge surge in... People going, screw you, DC, F-U-DC, we will no longer carry DC Comics uh, in our stores. And other people, like myself, who are saying this is a brilliant move, this is a very smart move, this is the way to go, totally understand why DC is doing this, and still others that are like, I don't understand anything. So let's run through the list quick. Uh, Matthew, uh, what do you think of this, uh, this decision by DC?
1: I think that, first of all, this decision is... I don't I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but this is what we as a group, I think, said was going to happen when DC actually made their announcement that, hey, maybe we're gonna look into other distribution options like two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that I believe that I know I saw coming. I believe Steven saw it coming. I'm almost certain Ashley said she saw it coming. Rodrigo doesn't care, but he probably saw it coming. And <laughs> in a lot of ways, it feels like Uh, a two-pronged thing. One, I feel like it could be smart. It is definitely something new and different. And I feel like the response to it really shows how many people have no concept of the history of
2: comic book distribution earlier than about 1999.
0: Rodrigo, what are your quick thoughts on this?
2: I mean, definitely this is something that was bound to happen. And like I, I think I said... on on Twitter and on this show, if there can be one tiny silver lining from this whole coronavirus ordeal is that it's probably going to crack uh, Diamond's monopoly. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, at least right now, it's looking like it has.
0: Ashley?
3: It's hard to talk about and be sensitive to everyone who is upset about it. Because a lot of people who are mad right now um, are people who I very much love. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, as somebody who has worked with Diamond on the editorial and the creative and the um, retail side, uh, I ain't mad.
0: Well, and that's so my tweet when this announced was, uh, you know, the LCS. How could DC do this to us? We didn't see this coming. And then DC two months ago saying, uh, we're going to be, you know, trying out a couple of different uh, distributors. Uh, Meanwhile, Diamond at the same time is like, nothing to fear, nothing to fear, nothing wrong here. Uh, This was something that DC was telling people, you know, months ago, hey, get ready. This is what we're doing. And I really can't blame DC because as a publisher trying to do business, they need to get books out the door if they're going to make money. And when you have a company like Diamond who says, we're not going to deliver comics because of the shutdown, that meant that DC had to find something somewhere else to go if they have the mandate from their new owners, AT&T, uh, to say, go out and and sell comic books. Get those out there. I know that there are other places besides comic shops that that comic books can be shipped to. Get them out there. Uh, so I don't blame uh, DC at all for, for breaking with this, especially when uh, uh, Diamond... Has these exclusivity contracts saying you can only ship through us, and we're going to do these things. And I'm sure Diamond has written in all sorts of breach of contract things for the publishers. But then, what happens when technically Diamond is in breach of contract with the publishers? What happens See, then? So I think that that that's the thing. I, I think that that is. I mean, if if they wanted to go to court, technically it goes down to a breach of contract. Uh, and so I, I I think that DC is in in the right here. If they want to go and find a different. Distribution partner. That's perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, I I can't remember who said it. My brain says it was either Pat Oswald or Stephen King. Uh, basically said that when someone says to a subdivision of Warner Brothers, AT and T, whatever the, that mother company is, we're only going to pay you twenty five percent of what we owe you for the foreseeable future, and that's just it. You cannot be surprised when that company starts looking at other options.
0: Well, and that is... Well, it also... Go ahead, Ashley. Sorry.
3: This also feels like, you know, for years and years and years, everyone has been saying diamond is bad, diamond does a bad job, diamond damages books, diamond this, diamond that. And it feels very much like we want something different. This solution came... I, I don't even... I don't even think it's a perfect solution. This is definitely a band aid that we have right now. It's not a cast, Mm -hmm. but it happened. And then everyone who said, We need something different said, No, not that. Well, (laughs) and yeah. We want something entirely different. Not like that.
0: What were you going to say, Rodrigo? Uh,
2: I mean, yeah, definitely. um, So, what is. What really works about this is that it was DC Comics, right? If it it had been, I don't know, Blue Water, then people would be like, yeah, whatever. Well,
0: so and this happened a year ago, right? Alterna Comics over a year ago said we are no longer going to distribute through Diamond. We're going to find our own methods to distribute and get our comics out to shops and fans. Yeah.
2: DC just happens to be a
0: big one. And everybody yeah. is dumping all over DC.
2: Well, and everybody's dumping over all over DC now, but if they make it work, they're going to be the model to follow. I well, mean, Marvel's going to probably get their own distributors or do a partial distribution kind of a thing because DC now has two distributors. Mm-hmm. I believe one for... Your uh, single issues and one for books, basically. For no, trades well, and other no. Stuff so like
0: there's that. actually three distributors right there. So okay. there's um, UCS, which I forget which half of the United States they're covering. And then there is Lunar distributors, which is covering the other half of the United States. Oh. Then they have Penguin Random House, which uh, I, I believe all people have been dealing with in the past for trades uh, anyway. So yeah. there are those three distributors, the distribution uh, outlets. Uh, not saying yeah. that the uh, that um, UCS and Lunar won't distribute trades but penguin random house is the one i think that distributes to like Barnes and Noble yeah. and and B Dalton and those kind of places
2: B- which Dalton. is yeah which which i'm sure is a pain for someone somewhere up the hierarchy mm-hmm. but in the end that's better for all of us the more sort of the more companies that get involved up until a point the better it is because that's how this is supposed to work. There's supposed to be competition. Yeah. And it's it's not... The, the reason why it being DC is relevant is not just because it's a big company, it, not just because it's one of the two biggest companies, but because DC puts out the book by which Diamond gauges all the other comic yeah. books. yeah. And now that benchmark is just like, nope, you yeah. don't even get to do this anymore you have to not only are we gone you have to figure out something else (laughs) yeah thumb to the nose to you
0: (laughs) well so the thing that kind of irritates me the most about this is that everyone is dumping on dc or all these uh, bookstores are dumping on dc but in six months when marvel does this and they will do Mm -hmm. either something similar or they will start distributing through these other two or whatever no one will say a single thing when when marvel jumps uh, from diamond and people say well why would they jump from diamond So DC leaving Diamond is a huge deal in the fact that uh, DC represented at one point 30 to 40% of Diamond's entire distribution market, right? Mm -hmm. So that's somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 million that Diamond is not going to have in their pockets anymore. Now, Steve Jeppy or Geppy came out and said, hey, we're, we're totally fine. We're going to be able to handle this without a problem. I don't think so, because he also said, as Matthew mentioned a, a, a moment ago, he said every, uh, two months ago that, oh, by the way, when we start redistributing, we're not, going to start, we're not going to pay you publishers what we owe you. It's going to have to be spread out over six months to a year before we can pay you what we currently owe you. Not saying anything that's in the future, but what we currently owe you losing dc is a huge torpedo into the side of diamond's ship i would be very wary of diamond at this point now this is my personal experience now ashley and matthew having worked in comic sh- shops etc i would be very wary of anything coming out of diamond as saying we are fine just because of that
1: well and honestly um and again This is, you know, probably just, this is my opinion. This is my experience and is in no way actionable. So please don't sue. Uh, I, I actually have that rule about a lot of the things that come from Diamond because anytime you have a monopoly, there is no other option. There are no alternatives. And so they don't necessarily have A great deal of impetus to follow through on things i mean we have seen previous things where people like well we're really mad at diamond and we we need to do something about it and diamond's like oh no we'll be fine we'll 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 straighten up it'll be good we'll make sure that the books are there they're on time everything you ordered is right they're not damaged there aren't any issues and that has happened and it has happened for a while and then things tend to go back to what I remember as normal, and that normal is, well, who else she you going to get your books from? Shut up and deal.
0: Well, it's funny that you say uh, Monopoly, Matthew, because at the end of the day, as many people who are celebrating the news that DC has broken, or as many people who are boohooing the news that DC has broken from Diamond, you still have not broken a Monopoly, because you can only get your books through one of those two businesses that DC is currently doing business with, right? And if you're on the East Coast, you're only dealing with one. And if you're on the West Coast, you're only dealing with one. You can't go to a second or third distributor to get your DC books. So while this appears on the surface to be, ah, the monopoly has been broken. No, you now have two monopolies, a monopoly that deals with just DC Comics and a monopoly that deals with the rest of the comic book industry.
2: Is is that how distribution usually works, though? Like, if if well, I if, if you, I call if I call up, uh, I don't know Hellman's or mm-hmm. you know whatever, and I want mayonnaise. Like, do I do I get to choose from multiple distributors, or do I go with the distributor that they go with, or do I go with well, like they, the one distributor that my company deals with? They
0: probably have multiple distributors throughout the United States.
2: Yeah, but they're uh, in different regional, regions, right? Regions, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So but, if you're dealing, if you want the same product, ones. you're dealing with that product's distributor almost certainly.
0: Uh, it could, it could be just depending on the food service company and, and that kind of stuff that you're dealing with, right? Okay. So in the long ago times uh, of mm-hmm. of comic book distribution, you had a variety of different distributors across the United States that were distributing comic books. If you were in Chicago, you could deal with your distributor that was there and order all your comic books. And if something was going on with that distributor, maybe you could call the Kansas City distributor and get some comics shipped up that way, or maybe the East Coast distributor. But over time, those distribution companies started to fold, and there were a lot of mismanagement. Uh, There was no regular schedule to get comics. I mean, for Matthew and I, you know, Comics Day used to be on a Tuesday. Then it got moved to a Wednesday. Then it got moved to a Thursday. Uh, just because of the way the... Dis- what what was the comic company out of, or the distributor out of Kansas City? It was Star City or something like that?
1: I mm, don't oh, know. I can't remember.
0: But, you know, one by one, those started to have problems, and that's where Diamond came in and bought them up and said, yes, we oh. will handle those those kinds of things. So... I I mean, it's
3: still so wild, though, that like shops will sell to other shops. Yes,
0: exactly. Because
3: Diamond can't fulfill things or can't reship things or can't fix their own mistakes on time.
0: And that brings me to all the complaints that the LCSs are having. I will never order from my competitors. I will never order from Lunar or UCS, which are owned by Midtown and DCB service. It's like, but you already do that, right? You call up other comic shops and say, hey, did you guys get this shipment? Can I buy from you? It's I will the say this, I,
3: I, speaking of um, a conversation that we had on the uh, on the pre-show, I have seen a. I follow a lot of different comic shops, uh, uh-huh. especially the ones that are good to me. Yeah. And I have seen a lot of comic retailers just be like. F U lunar mm-hmm. F U D C and mm-hmm. I'm like fam you gotta take that down
0: yeah
1: because uh, because
3: if you want to maintain a relationship with D C and D C is still Batman is still the biggest thing in comics that's
1: forty percent of I the
3: industry know, Well
1: and, man
0: and, and that's that's the other thing is I first of all my first comment that I made when this news came out I said I would be very wary of any L C S that says that they're not going to order D C books because it means that they have to do more work. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that, it, you know, where people are like, oh, this means I have to use a whole different ordering system. And now I have to do two times the ordering. It's like, no, you're doing the same ordering. you're just using two different systems. You just don't want right. to do the work. You're making excuses.
3: Which um, is fair. I get it. Because, like, I don't like that I have to buy no, things from multiple but, stores. I, mean, I you are,
0: You are a business owner. You're going to have to Absolutely. do work. Uh, the other thing that I've seen is that um, uh, from LCSs is that um, the complaint is... That the shipping is going to be much, much higher, which I'm not sure you know how much higher it is. Somebody tweeted me earlier and saying, "Hey, my local comic book shop says that their shipping is going to go from seven percent up to forty percent uh and it's only because they have to order um in Canada, and currently both lunar and d c b um lunar and u c s don't have shipping outside the United States yet, and so d c. may be having some other international distributors there. So that could put a put a dent into people's into people's ar- into people's um retailers' right. budgets. So I can totally understand that if that is a true shipping, but in the United States, I can't imagine that it would be a huge difference in shipping because even if you're getting a third less from one company it should even out overall uh as far as how much you're paying for shipping. I don't know, but that seems rather uh rather odd uh the other one is do you in kind of picking backing on what you said, Ashley. Do you really want thirty percent of your business to go out the door? I mean, that's just only people who would buy DC comics. And if if you were to go into a comic shop, Ashley Ashley's Comics Emporium, uh-huh. and Ashley said, um, "Nope, we don't have DC here, but we have all the Marvel and all the other stuff that 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 you want," um, I probably would say, "Yeah, where's a store that has both DC and Marvel comics that I can go and buy?" Because yeah. that's who I'm well, going to go to.
3: Some of them are most most shops are going to carry are going to keep carrying DC because ultimately that's the move end of story right batman 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 Batman.
1: there's there's also an important thing to take into account is that the industry and its distribution as we see it has been in place in this form for the better part of a quarter century Mm -hmm. for like 25 years and Okay, first of all, uh, I never did this, but uh, I, I knew people in college who would do this. What you would do is, you knew payday was coming up on Friday, so on Wednesday you could cash a check at the grocery store for cash that wouldn't clear until your paycheck came in. This is wrong and bad and illegal, and never do it. And I certainly never have and never would. But in some ways, my experiences working in comic book shop or shops is something like that expectation while you are in that cycle when you are you know you have set up your shop and you've got your comics and you're coming in and you're paying for last month's books because you're you're selling off these books some of them don't sell but you're also having to order your new books and when those come around you're going to have to pay with them pay for them with the money that you already got you're in the middle of a a cycle and you get to a point where if you wrote that check on Wednesday and something happens on Friday And that money is not there you might write another check on friday to cover that check until it does come in when you get into that cycle and when you are you know running your business and your business is on that cycle of we have to get this now because we're going to have to pay for something else next week breaking that cycle or even changing that cycle can feel and can be catastrophic so i feel like this change you know, and in addition to other changes, uh, both sociological and, you know, biological, is going to mean that some stores just stop. Some stores close, some stores stop selling comics, some stores are like, this is not worth the trouble. The change itself is so catastrophic. And I feel for those people, and I, you know, I appreciate what they're going through, and I feel horrible for them. You can't necessarily entirely blame them Uh, as a retailer who's been a part of this system that works the way it does, like clockwork. Whether good or bad, you know what to expect from Diamond after 25 years. So change is scary. Change can be bad. But that doesn't necessarily mean that change is your enemy. And I'm hoping that some of these stores are going to realize not just, oh, well, I've got to have Batman, but... This could lead to a more robust industry, which would mean a better store, which would mean better business for me. So maybe having that check metaphorically bounce and have to deal with the consequences and rebuild under this new system, yes, it's going to feel catastrophic, but maybe it's going to be healthier in the long run.
0: This time next year, you will probably see Marvel with if multiple distributors.
1: I would say by the end of the summer. That's what I was going to gonna say by the
0: end of the year is my it's six months from now. But, uh, you know, yep. I really think six months from now, when when Marvel does it, no one's going to say anything. Uh, final thoughts, Ashley or, or
2: Rodrigo? Uh,
3: None. I was, <laughs> I was just going to say that this is a long time coming and change always comes with growing pains. And it will be interesting to revisit this conversation in a year and just see what the industry looks like.
0: That's right. Uh, listeners, you can join this conversation about this topic over at the Major Spoilers Discord. Head over to the Major Spoilers Discord server. It's totally free. You can uh, you can find a link in the show notes. But if you would like access to secret channels, like secret channels where Matthew and I stream uh, the Dueling Review podcast live Thursday nights at 8 o'clock p.m., well, then you need to become a patron over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And oh man, this week we have uh, it's gotta be forty-five minutes of talk about roots and movies that Ashley is Woo-hoo! watching and yep. uh Matthew holding a recorder up to the TV and, mm-hmm. and so much more. It's a really good conversation. I really enjoyed this week's conversation, including elongated man and Bill and Ted. You can find that in the Major Spoilers Pre-Show that you can only get at patreon.com slash major spoilers. So, we're doing something a little different this week. We are just going to review two trade paperbacks. Uh, one is from last week. One was the one that we had scheduled this week. Let's start with Wonder Woman, the Hecatea, Rodrigo.
1: The Hikiba. I believe. The,
0: I don't know what it is, Hecatea.
3: Hecatea.
0: Hecatea, there you go. I have truly
3: no idea. The It's all greek to me
2: wah, if i know wah, anything
1: wah. about my greek <laughs> if i know only one thing about greek and i think that's true that last part is a teia anyway, i don't know about the high or the kiba
0: but the rodrigo teia is definitely a teia. i'm gonna let you lead on this one because uh you were the one that was just like oh man i really enjoyed this book
2: yeah yeah i'd actually read um read this uh this story before uh so i was i was I was kind of excited to revisit it because the first time I read it, I liked it, but you know that's not always the case when you get to something again, and you know sometimes it doesn't hold up. But I actually really enjoyed it the second time around. So um this uh, story is a Wonder Woman story, but it's framed in terms of the Hecatea, which is a uh, essentially a ritual, a contract between uh, somebody who needs help and they in essence become a servant to their patron and the um i forget what the uh titles are but basically the the person that needs protecting um serves the other person in whatever capacity they need to but also the person that is providing the security is supposed to provide for them, is supposed to take care of them, and is supposed to treat them in an honorable way. And there's all of these sort of um, very sort of honor-bound rules that go along with it. Um, And so it shows you, the first thing it shows you is... um, a, that happening in like ancient Greece, and what happens when you don't follow it, and it has supernatural consequences. And then we see a story unfold in which a woman, a young woman who has done something bad, um, basically enters this contract with uh, Wonder Woman, um, and kind of where that where that takes them, uh, because the Wonder Woman doesn't know what she's done and really because of the honor of the whole thing doesn't want to ask. And that obviously causes a lot of exciting problems for everyone.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting because, you know, you said that there's, there's these rules to the Hecatea. Uh, and if you deviate from those rules or you're not fully committed to those rules or the process, uh, the harpies come after you, the furies come after you and Mm -hmm. will rip you apart and take you away. And, And I think that's interesting because Wonder Woman doesn't know why the Harpies are standing outside her window and watching her all the time because she's following all the rules. And it's almost like they're there just expecting her to fail at any moment. And I think that then rolls back into her greater uh, story of, you know, what am I doing in man's world? Am I doing the right thing by being here or should I just go back to to my island and and just do nothing and, and cut myself off from man's world. So it's just, I, I think that was the thing that I liked about it was here you're building up not only the expectations of this contract that she has with this with this woman, uh, but also her greater role as an ambassador uh, to to Paradise Island, or uh, whatever the island is that, that it's called these days. Demiscira. that is it. Mm-hmm. Ashley, what'd you think?
3: Yeah, so I read this volume maybe when the first Wonder Woman movie came out, and the second one has not come out yet. Right. Um, and I also reread it at the beginning of this year in preparation for doing a whole month of geek history lessons on Wonder Woman, and then the Wonder Woman movie didn't come out.
0: <laughs> hey, but hey, all those Wonder so... Woman, uh, all those Wonder Woman themed Dorito bags are out there, so. Go out and all, grab as many as you want. All
3: the merch is out there. We all know what. Uh, we all know uh, what. Uh, Cheetah looks. I was called a Shira, but Cheetah looks like um, everyone thinks they know the identity of the actual bad guy in Black Widow. It's things are. It's a wild world, fam. Um, when I worked full time at a comic book store. They had uh, a collection of Wonder Woman by Greg Rucka that was just this story. Now it's together in uh, Wonder Woman by Greg Rucka, Volume One, which I believe mm-hmm. is the first two or two and a half trades, or two trades and some supplementary material. And there's two, two or I think there's three or four volumes altogether. Um, the when this was just a single trade, it was the cover where Wonder Woman's boot is stepping on Batman's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe by Alex Ross. This volume for that cover alone is the single easiest thing besides fables to sell to a woman who don't think she likes to read comics. Mm-hmm. I will start with that for anyone who's looking for a gift. Um, Rucka's run is one of my favorite Wonder Woman runs. I even like it. Uh, I even liked when he came back and uh, relaunched it post-New 52 in the DC Rebirth world. I really like grounding Wonder Woman in anything mythological or sociological, uh, Greek, ancient, ancient Greek, Greek of the time when she would have started. And I think that's why this is so satisfying. And it also forces Diana to face what is one of the most interesting things about her. And it's that kind of like Steve Rogers, she is a person out of time. She straddles the ancient traditions with the modern world. And um, the woman who she's entered into this agreement with, I think her name is Danielle. Mm-hmm. Dana. Danielle. Yeah. Thank you, Danny. Um, Forces her literally to face what a modern woman looks like playing by these rules. And, and I think this sets up really well all of the players and all of the things that you need to tell a successful Wonder Woman story. That's not specifically a period piece. Um, and I, I really love this story and I went down the rabbit hole and read like a bunch of <laughs> uh, the, the issues after this as well. Cause I oh, can, yeah. I can tear into some Greg Rucka Wonder Woman.
0: I, I think this is also interesting too, because when Batman does show up, This becomes...
3: That's a cool conversation.
0: Yeah, it is, because here is somebody that's like, I'm honor-bound, this is the way the rules are for my culture and my society. I know we're friends, but you need to back off. And I think that is really interesting how that plays out, Matthew, in this story.
1: Yeah, I had never read this before we chose it here for two reasons. One, uh, Alex Ross cover. I was, you know... I, I. you do your thing. You have your cool. thing. Sometimes yeah, you, don't, you like don't like it. It's cool. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, but secondly, when it came out, the implication that I had was that this was another story that claimed to be about Wonder Woman, but was really about Batman. Mm-hmm. And it's not that. I like the way Batman is used here, as much as I, you know, feel like this could have been another character and had the same sort of effect. But I feel like the use of Batman is really strong here. And there's never a point where it feels like he's overpowering Wonder Woman, uh, metaphorically or physically. Uh, At one point, she punches him like literally through a wall. And I'm like, that is how a Wonder Woman-Batman fight would go, yes. (laughs) But I, I really appreciate the fact that the focus is on Wonder Woman. Now, my thing with Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman is there are times when i feel like we lean way too hard into the greek myth and i get Mm -hmm. it i understand that that's a very modern you know that's part of wonder woman since 87 it's a very large part of the character but i feel like this book really balances the idea of a modern world but those you know those classical greek elements like the Irenaeus running around and like the concept of the the high karate and all of these things really balance well in a story that feels like it takes place in 2002 in a major city somewhere in the United States.
0: I also like that, you know, this is kind of steeped in the Greek mythology and Batman almost comes across as Hades in this, right? This demon from the deep that is like, I'm here to, you know, to take back what is mine and, you know, our Well, noble this would also hero... have had
3: the, the direct influence, you know, of Grant Morrison's uh, yeah. JLA run and, and Justice League stories, wherein he is sort of making the allegories of the oh, DC yeah. pantheon with the Greek pantheon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Intentionally and, making him into Hades.
0: And so. you had said this came right before uh, New Fifty Two. I I don't rem- remember no, no, when no, no. or when so countdown. This is,
3: 2002. This is yeah. Ah, this is okay. Four and then Rucka picks up Wonder Woman again with Rebirth with the okay. lies in Year One. So if
0: I'm not mistaken, wasn't 52 the 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 series Mm -hmm. um wasn't right around that time that they were kind of involved with one another or testing those waters with batman and wonder woman certainly in the justice league animated series they were doing that
1: sure there was a run of justice league of america and i want to say it was around 2003 2004 um where they were gosh i can't even remember who was writing it uh it may have been steve um Baba Hamana, not steve siegel rogers maybe steve siegel steve did it, it may have been steve siegel um <laughs> but they actually did toy with that a little bit and it sort of came down to a this would be neat but it's a really bad idea right between the two characters or, or between or the
0: creators before. Ah, uh, both actually. Okay, all right.
1: But yeah, they really came down to the the play of oh, well, maybe this is not really a very good idea. Yeah, it was right about the time that they launched out Justice League Elite, which would have been two thousand four, two thousand five. Okay.
0: Wanna say. So then this kind of fits in too is that same thing as we have a relationship, and now we don't, and now it's super complicated, and now it's super icky, and you know, Batman to his credit tries to do everything he can to get Danielle out of there to justice even when he tries to pull the uh, the hecatia on on wonder woman and she's like no uh i don't have to do this because you're coming at me in a very in uh yeah
2: it's not you're not coming you're not coming at it earnestly
0: yeah 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 and you only want to do it so that i can't fight you and you two and you can still do whatever you want to her and so she can't can't accept that How
3: so. like a man am I right ladies <laughs> I mean it is
2: so like it's I really like the way that Batman is written in this. I I, I, I do enjoy Batman as an antagonist. Um, I, I very frequently do not like Batman when he's a protagonist because he has a lot of qualities that are not endearing as he's often written. But those qualities wait
3: till we get to the second trait today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: those, those qualities are really good in an antagonist. And Batman, as really an anti hero, is a great antagonist for Wonder Woman, who comes at it from it's like it doesn't matter what the law is, what matters is protecting women, what matters is honor, what matters is justice rather than the law. And Batman coming at it really from kind of like a very Rorschach standpoint of like, well, here's the law as written. This one broke the law. It doesn't matter who she killed. She killed someone. The law says that's bad. I gotta get her to jail, right? And it Mm -hmm. sets up a great conflict between two characters that you know, when uh, you know, bizarro firestorm attacks (laughs) team up to fight that character, right? And and would have no problems doing that. Um, So it I, I really I really enjoy that. And again, you you look at everything that Batman does. Batman tries to verbally intimidate her. Batman tries to threaten her. Batman tries to get uh Danny to act by threatening her. And he succeeds at that. Um basically he like screws up the their her protection by causing her to run away. Um Batman tries to use the Hecatea against Wonder Woman. You know, he's like basically just poking at it from every angle, like you would expect a guy who is, you know, a super kung fu martial artist, billionaire, playboy, investigator, ninja, to be able (laughs) to massage all of these situations to his advantage. And he never kind of manages to get that upper hand, um, which is also good. And it's also nice to see that, you know, he kind of makes a few... Pokes at it and does get under Wonder Woman's skin, but in the end, um, it it turns out to really not be about either of them, and it's kind of about this this young woman
0: mm-hmm. who ultimately breaks the contract by yeah. a running away, but also uh, essentially jumping to her death, killing herself, and releasing Wonder Woman from from the contract. Yeah. At the end of this, I really was like, I want to know what happens to the relationship between these two next. I want to know if Wonder Woman is like, what you have done is unforgivable, or, you know, if Batman is like, uh, no hard feelings, right? I didn't really mean for it to go this far. And you really don't get that at the end of this book. You don't know what where right. their relationship is, except that they've both done some things, or Batman has done some things that has really stressed their relationship.
2: I I kind of enjoy that we don't see that, because to me, this volume really stands alone in a very actually sort of mythological way in the way that you say like one day thor was walking down the street and he saw a thing that he wanted and he went after it but lo his enemy the snake was there and you know it's like so this has a very fe- uh, that that same sort of feeling like one time, a woman came to Wonder Woman for protection. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that Batman was chasing after her. And so they had this skirmish. And at the end, it sort of resets to their status quo because she's dead. And maybe there's some hard feelings there. But what happens immediately afterwards doesn't matter. What what matters is just sort of these two larger-than-life um, characters uh, fighting, sometimes verbally, sometimes physically, over sort of the soul of this person. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, in a sense, though they they both lose.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and, again, and I and very, I want to I want to see that they both lose.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also
1: feel like if you were to try and follow up on this immediately, I'm not entirely sure that it could be done right. Could be done well. I feel like there are times when that O. Henry ending, with that ambiguity of what could happen next, is better than seeing a story where Batman and Wonder Woman, you know, literally argue and fight about this.
3: Well, good, because I, I don't like... think they ever address it again. <laughs> yeah, that's what right, I was going to ask, since thing. you had read
0: those other volumes. I, I was curious, actually, if they did I'm, or not. I'm,
3: I mean, the events get referred to.
0: Hmm, okay.
3: Um, particularly because a little bit later in the run, uh, Cassie Sandsmark shows up, and obviously not a complete corollary between the characters, but Wonder Woman has sort of a duty of care over her as well. Um, but I mean, it doesn't really get brought up in any kind of series. I don't even know if Batman shows up in the rest of the run, really.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And
3: and and it doesn't have to. You know, it's
2: like either way of like if it if all it happens is it gets mentioned, or you just see a an increase in tension between Batman and Wonder Woman, in later issues, you can say like, well, it's probably because of this, or mm-hmm. it's not. It. I I feel that it really doesn't matter. I think this is a, a like. This is a, a a great example of a standalone story. Yeah. Um, and it's I don't know I I, I like almost everything about this uh, series, uh, even just in the way that it's told because it's not even about fighting. Right. If 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 somebody pitches you this as Batman and Wonder Woman fight, it's not.
0: Oh no, right. No, There's
2: no. like a brief skirmish or maybe a couple of brief skirmishes. And what really matters is where they stand and how they approach the idea of justice. Right. Um, And it's the same thing with, you know, the the Furies or whatever. They're just like hanging out there being jerks. And Wonder Woman is like, well, why doesn't Wonder Woman just punch them? It's like she goes out there and she's like, oh, no, I can't just punch these guys. Like they're they're actually
0: pretty strong. Like
2: I'm going to have to wait and see what they do. And that's good. I think everything is just kind of set up in a very good way. You know, they basically just, you can see, you know, the writer carefully set up the powder keg and you're like, wow, that powder keg is going to really going to go off at the yeah. end, huh? Yeah. Like, yep, it sure is. Anyway, let's keep walking towards the powder keg.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like that. It's, it's like, how do we take old traditions and bring them into modern times and what are the problems that it causes? This is a, I mean, if you can, dear listener. If you can't get your hands on just this volume by itself, uh, I would say grab it immediately. It's, uh, if you're trying to buy it new, it's probably going to cost you a lot because it's not in print. Um, but if you have to get the entire volume of Wonder Woman from Greg Reca, it seems like that's probably a good thing. My recommendation for Wonder Woman, the Hakatia is grab it. Grab it and read it. Get it in digital. Get it in print. Uh, whatever you can, because this is a wonderful story it's going to bring about a lot of good conversation, both internally for your, yourself, or if you're sitting around with friends like we are here, uh, it can bring up some good conversations uh, there as well. So this is a must-buy uh, for me. Uh, Ashley, what are your thoughts on this one?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, this this era of Greg Ruckus Wonder Woman uh, is... I mean, if it's not my favorite Wonder Woman run, it's like top two or three. I think it's really wonderful. If you just know Wonder Woman from the cartoons or the movies, you, you're you in pretty good shape. You don't need to know a lot about what was the status quo of the DCU at this time. Batman's in it, which for a lot of people is a plus. If you continue reading past this, there's a little quality dip, but it gets back to it. Cassie shows up, she rocks. Uh, so yeah, I definitely say... I mean, if you're going to pick up Wonder Woman by Greg Ruck of Volume 1, which is the easiest way to get this collection uh, out outside of a digital purchase right now, it is a little pricier, but I definitely think it's worth the price of admission. Matthew? I think
1: that there's a tendency amongst comic fans to play the who'd fight and who'd win game. And it's always really gratifying when a story finds a way to do that that feels, A natural and organic as part of the story but more importantly feels like it makes sense the question the, the true answer to the question is what would happen if wonder woman fought batman is why ever would they and this book answers that question in a way that makes perfect sense that doesn't make you necessarily root for one above the other they both have valid points but most importantly and i think probably uh, to my great delight it really does outline the fact that Wonder Woman will snap Batman in half, oh, yeah. but but she ain't gonna, because she doesn't want to, and he won't make her, and that's wonderful. That's really the takeaway for me about this, is if you've ever wanted to see a story that takes that concept that we've seen so many times of, a hero on one side, a hero on the other, and doesn't make it feel like a who'd win, who's gonna fight but in fact makes it part of a really good story that has some emotional grounding. This is definitely a book for you.
0: Rodrigo, I'm giving you the final word on this volume.
2: Thanks. Uh, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about, uh, the art, Art which is is also very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, JG Jones, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so, uh, it is worth getting just for the art, but on top of it, this is probably one of the best, uh, DC comic stories I've ever read like it's just small and succinct and you don't need to know anything about where the universe is floating at this point it really is just like you already know Batman you already know Wonder Woman now here's the story in which they're both uh together and it's uh it's just pretty solid all around I I I would definitely say yeah if you can find it pick it up
0: all right, there you go. We're now going to jump into our second trade that we're going to talk about this week. Batman, Bruce Wayne, Murderer. Man, I remember when this book, uh, this uh, series came out. Uh, because it's this is a time in Batman when when we talk about a family of books. Uh, this is one of those times where all the titles are trying to be interconnected with one another or were interconnected with one another. Superman had a time when this was was going on. And so you saw a lot of these stories cross over uh, from one story to another. We had this with Contagion. We had this with uh, uh, No Man's Man's Land. Land. We had this with uh, the Earthquake uh, one. Um, No Man's Land. Cataclysm. Uh, No Man's Land was after, but yeah, uh, all part of the same thing. Uh, This one is what happens when Bruce Wayne uh, comes home and finds a former love interest, Vesper Fairchild, uh, murdered in his hallway, and the cops show up almost immediately after And uh, he's clutching the dead woman's body. Uh, Bruce Wayne gets hauled off uh, to jail and is suspected of murder. And so we get this uh, book covering through uh, Batman, Batgirl, Batman Gotham Knights, Batman uh, The Tencent Adventure, which is what everything kicked off with, Birds of Prey, Detective Comics, Nightwing, Robin. And I could have swore that this also had, maybe Gotham Knights was uh, GCPD, but you get a lot of the uh, the Christmas Allen and and Detective Montoya bits in here as well. Um, is, was
2: did it also go through Black Canary, or was that a different thing? That's birds. Uh, of Prey. That's Pray. birds of prey. Oh, birds of prey. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: So it has been a long time since I've read this. I think I read it when it first came out, and that was it. And it kind of broke me a little bit just because it was like, oh my gosh, this is what happens when you have a mega crossover event. I got to tell you, this volume that we're reading right here, seven hundred pages of comics, ladies and gentlemen. Whew. It was a, it was a tough read to get through all of this, but essentially, uh, Bruce Wayne, murderer, suspect. All the people are all the characters, all your favorite characters. You name them, they're here. Even spoiler, even uh, even Batgirl, uh, even yeah. Ted Cord. Questions about Ted Cord in a little bit. Right. Uh, are all trying to figure out did Batman really do this? How could how could Bruce do this? And then Bruce escaping and saying there is no Bruce. Bruce is dead. I am only Batman. Is this where that came up, Matthew? As I am uh, Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne is just the mask. I've always been Batman. Or did that pop up before?
1: Oh, that's been around for years. This is the point where it became uh, the point of the text. It became okay. the the textual point yes. of the bat titles for a couple of years. Yeah, it became was, the purpose. Hey, yeah. Batman is the only real version of Bruce Wayne. So, neener, neener.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. There's a lot of stuff going on in here. Uh, may I? Yes, you may.
2: Okay. So, structurally, here's what I what I think are the main beats of this uh, trade. So mm-hmm. first off, we start off with like a little bit of of setup. Uh, Bruce Wayne has a bodyguard who is now going out and basically being the Cato to his Green Hornet, mm-hmm. um, and um, they get back and the lady's been murdered, and so there's like a little bit of setup, and then. Bruce Wayne's been murdered. So then we move into a sequence of every single last person in the Bat family finds out about this and is somehow involved with this kind of initial event or what do they do when they find out, right? Then we kind of slide into a sequence of now Batman's in jail. What happens when Batman's in jail? Which also kind of involves everyone in the Bat family sort of dealing with the fact that Bruce Wayne or and or Batman are in jail. And then Batman breaks out of jail at which point it kind of puts us into a sequence of the Bat family briefly deals with the fact that Batman has broken out of jail and that he has no intention of clearing his name and how do we deal with that and then moves for quite a while. I, 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 basically the last chunk of this is this is the new status quo like batman like the whole point of everything you read is so that we do this like batman has no secret identity he's batman 100 percent of the time um he doesn't have the wayne manor anymore although that doesn't the fact that he doesn't have access to the bat regularly doesn't really seem to impact things uh, but that's more editorializing than Uh, setting it up. But yeah, basically the end of this, and we don't really get to a a real turning point, if I recall, uh, from there. It's just like, this ends with a fight with a supervillain that doesn't really resolve anything else, which I'm guessing will be resolved in the next block of things. Yes, Bruce Bruce
0: Wayne Fugitive Fugitive is the next block of
2: things. Hopefully that does, does that make sense? Is, like no, you no guys it does t- are them.
0: yeah. The major it's those beats? those are your major beats. I, I, it really ends with them realizing, oh, wait, somebody has set up Batman or right, set up Bruce right. Wayne. That now is, we have to solve is... the mystery.
2: That is important. Is that everyone else that's not Batman is trying to vindicate Batman? That is actually an important part. Oh, or Ted Cord. Ted Cord's not trying to vindicate Batman. He's just fighting a tiny robot.
0: So, so this is the thing. This is the thing that I like about this era of Batman is that you had so much. You had the Birds of Prey. You had uh, Batgirl. You had Spoiler. You had Robin. You know the best Tim, uh, the, the best Robin ever, best Tim Robin. Drake. Uh, with Spoiler and their relationship, you have Nightwing Ooh. doing his thing in Blood. Uh, I know Ashley wants to be Tim's Tim's <laughs> uh, <laughs> girlfriend, but you had uh, uh, Dick doing his thing up in Bloodhaven. You had Huntress doing her thing. You had Ted Cord being part of Birds of Prey. You had all of these characters. Just a huge cast of characters that were always coming in in and out. Of the stories, in I think a very nice way, however, when you read it in the context of Bruce Wayne murderer, a lot of the issues in my opinion that are in this book shouldn't be in this book, yeah, <laughs> where you will have like there's two issues of Robin where uh Robin's roommate up at the uh, at the uh, at the academy has been doing some online gambling, and the gamblers have come and kidnapped him. And are holding him for, for uh, you know, going to kill him or whatever because he's winning too much. And Robin has to go and save him. And there is, like, one page in each of those issues about, hey, did you hear that Batman escaped prison? Or, hey, uh, Batman's in prison.
2: I So, 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 so much of this is just like, here's what. Like here's actually what's happening currently in yeah. Nightwing.
0: Well, and then you know, or
2: or that... you know, Birds of Prey, and it's like so. There are entire issues that devote a page to yes. the ongoing story of Bruce Wayne murderer, and then go off to see things. And if you're lucky, it comes back around in the next issue, and you do get to see it resolved because there will be, you know, it's like this is like Nightwing. 28 and 29 are part of this thing. So you mm-hmm. do kind of get to see what happens. Right. And th- those aren't the actual numbers. I'm just like,
0: no, but th- that's of- the example, but, or yeah. in worst case scenarios with Ted cord, you don't find out anything about what happens about the takeover is his company, this little yeah. uh, creature that is attacking him. And if I remember correctly, this does cause him to have a major heart attack to where he almost dies. And if I'm not mistaken, Matthew, uh, Barbara kind of admits that she has feelings for Ted.
1: Uh, yeah, she doesn't actually admit it until after he's dead.
0: Yeah, no, but it was—it's one of those things that you don't find out in this volume. But th- if right. my recollection is, this is this is, this is moment the moment where she's like, yeah. "I kind of like yes. the Tubby Ted cord. Um,
3: uh, Fat Ted Cord is the best Ted chord. He is. Actually,
0: I really do uh, like Fat. So,
1: yeah, Birds of Prey actually has an ongoing uh, underlying thing where yes. uh, Huntress and Black Canary tease her about whether she cybered with Blue Beetle. Uh, if you know what that means, kids, uh, great, you're either above thirty or just a perv. But yeah. That doesn't actually ever get resolved
0: because No, not in this kinda, not in this book.
1: It doesn't get resolved at all. He just sort of floats around as a background character in a couple of titles and then he gets executed on panel in two thousand five.
0: Yeah. So here's the question that I have, since we're we're on this conversation about there's so much of this book that does not relate to Bruce Wayne murderer. Mm-hmm. In a collection like this, what are your thoughts about heavily editing the volume so that you're only including the stuff that is about Bruce Wayne Murderer, taking out all the Ted Cord stuff, taking out Black uh, Canary uh, running around and and uh, saving uh, Spoiler's uh, household or or the tag that she and Cassie are doing on the rooftops? Is that something that you would be in favor of, or is that too much, oh my gosh, how could you destroy... That's kind of like giving me the Cliff's Notes version of War and Peace and expecting me to appreciate it all.
1: Well, you're you're actually asking two separate questions there. You're asking, uh, first of all, is a 700-page story justifiable?
0: Oh no, that that's not even at, the question. The that's same, not even the question the I'm asking. That's not even the asking, question I'm asking. The question I'm asking is, is it okay? to trim out all the stuff that doesn't belong in this book to make it more cohesive. I would say no. Why?
1: Well, because they chose to make a story that would take 700 pages to put together. The thing about these these crossovers, these overarching crossovers especially, you know, through the 90s and into the 2000s was that they weren't about a story. They were about setting a tone and, you know, kind of a, a, just a, a mise-en-scene, if you will, and having people just go whatever they wanted to do on them. So you look at things like the X-Men back in the 90s when you had the Extinction Agenda. If you try to read those books in order, they're gibberish. If you read them, you know, and read the things that you read, they're still gibberish, but they're gibberish that's a little more coherent. I think the question is, you know, it, it, should they collect this in its completion? I feel like this could have been two, possibly three separate trades rather than one big one, but I would rather see that and rather have to get three separate trades than have someone go in and, you know, cut out what may or may not be necessary because you do have that moment of here's one page of Robin Mm -hmm. and literally it's just Robin and Alfred going, oh, yep, Bruce Wayne sure was arrested. What's what's the point? What's the context of that? And the context becomes well, Robin's off doing this other thing. It doesn't really make sense to this bigger narrative, but that's because it's not actually meant to be one long narrative. It's meant to be several interconnected bits and pieces under the same sort
2: of umbrella.
0: Right, Rodrigo, you were going to say something.
2: Yeah, I think. See, that's that's the that, that's just the the problem. I feel with the this method of writing comics and and interconnecting them is that if you ever go back and do anything except read all of the issues right. in the order that they came out right or or rather in the order that they were meant to be read because haha sometimes they don't come out in order
0: they did have a um, number on the cover of all of these
2: yeah so that that's, would tell you so what order
0: to read uh, them in yeah
2: um but unless you're doing that it's not gonna make any sense and and that that's what sucks because Uh, laterally it doesn't make sense and, like, traversally it doesn't make sense, right? When you read Bruce Wayne Murderer, you're like, there's all this extraneous information. All these characters are doing other random things that have nothing to do with Batman. And if you read it, if you were, for example, reading Nightwing or Robin or Birds of Prey, all of a sudden there would be these random things that happen that have to do with the fact that Batman got thrown in jail that would interrupt your story before it got reined back into where it was supposed to be. Or if you're not lucky, didn't, you know, and or it just like end somewhere in the middle of this because the creative team changes or whatever. Like the only way that it makes sense is if you're consuming all of it at the same time and to go back and look at it as a trade, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah. That's why um, I was wondering if, if you would be in favor of, hey, there is one page of Robin where he and Alfred are talking and Alfred's like, well, I'm going back to Gotham City. If you just excise that one page and put it in the trade, or I if mean, you have to include the, the, the whole is, is, stuff about Robin's ennui about uh, his dad losing his fortune and no longer being able to go to a uh, uh, rich kid school.
2: Yeah, that's but that's the problem about it is that that stuff is also important, presumably, one hopes, if this is being written holistically, it's also important about as to what decisions they make you know it's like reading all of that unconnected nightwing stuff does put you in the mindset of where nightwing is and why he just Mm -hmm. absolutely hates the idea that that batman is just going to go be batman and not be bruce wayne anymore and ends up like freaking punching him about it right like they end up like actually getting in a fist fight. like it does put you in the mindset of like batman's poor little like broken family being like why why is dad going out and like buying a corvette and like not coming home at night (laughs) you know but but the problem is that we were told that this was a story about dad yeah and we don't get enough of anybody's story to have like a satisfying arc so could you cut some of that stuff out you could, but then even that's going to feel arbitrary or like it comes out of nowhere because you don't get the part where like some giant guy is beating up Robin and he's like, oh, I'm so sad that Batman's like, oh, my face, you know?
0: Yeah, Ashley, same for you. I know the, the main point of the question is not, you know, would this read better or not? But it goes into, do you destroy, you know, the, the narrative in in a Robin comic just so you can get that one page? It's essentially, you know, cutting up a book and, and yeah. piecing it together. Um,
3: I, I don't, I don't think that's, uh, I wouldn't do that if I were the one working in collected mm-hmm. editions and mm-hmm. I were tasked with doing this. Um, I do agree that if all of these things tied to the time and all of these things were supposed to be part of it, then they should be included in the collection. We've all read a ton of collections and that's the problem with tie-in issues. And as someone who read Blackest Night very compressed yeah 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 um you know the trick to a good tie-in is it has to have literally anything to say about the main thrust of the narrative and a lot of these issues didn't i have a huge bias toward this book i love this book i read this uh whole storyline at the height of my batman fandom Oh, nice. this is super dick batman which is my favorite batman and ultimately the least interesting thing about batman to me is batman I love Robin and Nightwing and Red Hood yeah. and, and Cassandra Kane and Oracle way more than Batman. I don't really care. If Batman punches Nightwing in the face. I'm like, sure, I guess so. But um I talked when we were talking about Wonder Woman, how there were these this previous version of this collection. So the version that we're reading of Bruce Wayne Murderer is the uh, most contemporary collection. Mm-hmm. There was a previous collection that collected, and I have the list here, the main arc of this story, Batgirl 24. Batman 599, Batman Gotham Knights, Gotham Knights, by the way, very underrated series, mm-hmm. 25, 26, Birds of Prey, 3940, Detective Comics, 766, 776, Nightwing, 65 and 66, and Robin, 98 and 99. I collected just those.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: um And the story was much easier to digest. It was a single. Volume, um, because it led into Bruce Wayne Fugitive, which is sort of the uh, the second, I guess, half of this event.
0: Yeah,
3: um, was much more the meat that they were driving toward, and here we have like so much nonsense. So to me, and again, I I, I reread this I was like, this is great. I love this. You're never going to convince me this isn't good. Um, <laughs> but to me, you either keep it or you throw it out entirely. I wouldn't personally i would not cut the one page out of those robin comics i would not cut the two pages out of those nightwing comics that happened to tie in but here ultimately they're looking for a 700 page collection because they're looking to this Do this collection for a price point yeah. that's what mm-hmm. this is like yeah, we yeah. were looking to sell this as a prestige oversized collection i have no idea how much this sells for 49.99 or 39 whatever um Versus uh, uh, an eleven ninety nine nineteen ninety nine a twenty nine ninety nine uh, a single volume trade paperback. And you know the bummer about that is if you're going if if any of this interests you, um and I really think it should because I like this, uh, it, it leaves you as the reader to kind of have to do a little bit more work because editorial did it. Now, whether i don't I don't know who worked in collected editions to put this together. I don't know if they're the head of the department. I don't know if they were in the meeting where they were told how many pages. But like when you look at this versus the story, the actual meat of the story. And then, of course, we can we have the the luxury of being able to compare this because books from 2002 to previous collections. You can tell that this was to hit a price point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it worked out this time, but I mean, I didn't have a bad time reading it. <laughs> no,
0: I mean, I didn't either. I mean, I was when I first opened it up I and I, I was going, oh, it's got this issue and this issue and this issue and I had to go back to the cover and say, no, this is Bruce Wayne murderer. This isn't the whole because I kept thinking yeah. I kept thinking in my mind the whole story was shorter than than it than it turns out to be. Uh, right. Because I was like, oh, surely they've got fugitive in this volume as well. And it's like, mm-hmm. nope, nope, not at all. This is the entire thing. You
3: would think with seven hundred pages, it would it could be all of murderer and fugitive. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's mean, and truly. that's what I kept thinking, because I was getting ready to send out an email and go, oh no, guys, we only need to read up to this point because then uh-huh. we get into then we get into fugitive. And I had to double check a couple times myself and go, Nope, this is this one volume is it. This is it. And uh I, I agree with you, actually. I did have a good time reading this because, like I said, this was the time when my interest in 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 what was going on in the Bat Family wasn't at an all time high because it was the Bat Family. It was Nightwing yeah. and Robin and Black Canary and Huntress and Oracle and Spoiler and Batgirl and uh, uh, Alfred and you know even um, um, what's her name, the Doctor and Leslie you know, Leslie, Leslie all Tompkins. all the kids at at Robin's school. All this stuff really made this part this corner of the DC Universe feel real right feel alive because their lives were interconnected and we saw these things playing out and they would spill out into the greater area of dc comics as well and what was going on in the dc universe and if i'm not mistaken we start to see no i think i am mistaken for some reason i wanted to say there's some brother omak stuff that starts to pop up in here but i don't think yeah. that that's right um no, the
1: brother Eye stuff is much later oh yeah like the brother years Eye. later yeah, yeah,
0: yeah but this was i Orpheus thought there was some pops
1: up for five seconds oh man
0: yeah yeah, uh, but right. there are, th- yeah, but that's the, pro- that's the one thing when you're reading this in a collection, there are moments where it's like, why, why is, you know, it, j- there's just parts that just don't feel connected to this overall story. But I, I do enjoy this. I did enjoy this story very much. Matthew, I'm taking, you didn't enjoy this story. Or you did enjoy this story.
1: No, I hate it. This why, is, this why is terri- do you hate it? This is terrible. Um, And, you know, part of that is just a personal preference on my part. I have always hated. The argument that Batman is a real person and Bruce Wayne is just a meaningless face. You know, I get it. I understand it. But I I, I feel like it feels reductive to me. And I feel like the huge buildup to it, the most successful part of it for me is that beginning, that first couple of issues. I really enjoy Batman the Ten Cent Adventure. I really like seeing that stuff. And I kind of enjoy the stuff with Sasha Bordeaux. And I kind of enjoy bits and pieces of that sort of sisterhood rivalry between, uh, Cass Kane and, uh, Stephanie Brown, a lot of this is stuff that I feel like I could enjoy. I read birds of prey when this book came out. So I've read those issues before. I like those issues. This collection is overwhelming. It is a shotgun of Batman to the face. And it is literally an amplification of everything that makes me mad about Batman comics. Because not only do we have to get the scene where people say, Batman, why are you doing this? And he's like, I'm not telling you, F off. We get to see it four or five times with Mm. different people saying, Batman, why are you doing this? And it never feels... Motivated. There's never a point, and I've read Fugitive as well, there's never a point where I feel like I understand what Batman and or Bruce Wayne are doing, what their motivation is throughout this story. You
0: know, that might be one of the things that might be better with a greater editorial group, as opposed to saying, okay, you have to take one of your pages in the upcoming Nightwing issue and you have to devote it to, you know, what Nightwing is feeling the minute that he finds out that Bruce Wayne has escaped uh, to where maybe they do kind of coalesce that storyline so that people really understand why we don't need to repeat this multiple times. Uh, Maybe that, I mean, this isn't that time when, I, I mean, editorial is strong, but I think maybe there, there feels like there should have been some, some tighter editorial control in where are we divvying up this parts of the story? Let's make sure the beats of the story are where they need to be. On the other hand, the other party argument that you had a minute ago, I'm curious, Matthew, you, you say you don't like the the whole argument. You, you don't like the fact that um, Bruce Wayne is the mask. Uh-huh. But isn't that kind of the point of the back half of this book is that everyone is arguing with Batman that it's like, no, you are more than Batman. You are a father. You are a mentor. You are a, you know, uh, 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 I don't think he has any lovers in this one. Uh, Sasha's in jail, so she can't Sasha's really say anything. Him. But you know that that whole part where there is a distinction where Batman isn't the mask, and there is that argument that's being made in the book.
1: Yes, but none of those arguments are ever uh, successful, nor are they ever brought to a close. Even throughout Fugitive, those well, arguments keep popping we haven't gotten to Fugitive yet,
0: so we can open ended the Fugitive.
1: They are they're brought up, but they're never addressed. They yeah. never get any type of resolution or alteration. It's literally talking to a wall and. I feel like part of it is the fact that, you know, Batman is the central character. He's the guy and all these other guys are kind of orbiting around him. But by making him this, you know, just combative butthead, it really makes it difficult for me to want to go into this and understand it. Now, I get I get the thinking. I understand it. I'm not saying that I don't understand the story. I'm saying I don't like it. And it's not what I would prefer to read. And I Mm -hmm. feel like there are Batman stories that address that question much more directly, much more succinctly, and actually attempt to give it some sort of even temporary resolution. And this story does not do that. They bring it up as kind of background sort of set dressing for an ongoing storyline that really is meant to be a new status quo for a year or two mm-hmm. or 700 800 pages and again so.
0: there's not a resolution because this is Batman murderer we have to go into fugitive to find out if he actually if he actually done it. Uh, Rodrigo, did you like this like this book? Uh,
2: not really. I I basically the the issue is I I didn't read it originally. So, I had no context about what was happening, and like, I know all of these characters individually, but I didn't know where they were at and um again, you know you you look at the at the jacket and it's it's a Bruce Wayne murderer, and we actually got very little of that because we spent so much time with so many characters um as far as you know the question of is Batman the mask or is Batman the Batman? um you know. To me, uh, like Matthew said, I think there are books that handle that a lot better. I think there are uh, compelling arguments on both sides. I think you can possibly write a story in which Batman is Batman and Bruce Wayne is just the face that he puts on that Matthew might actually enjoy. I think you can do that. I think depending on the themes and the writing, you could do that. But this story makes no argument about it. It doesn't tell you why Batman feels that way. And it doesn't spend any time defending that position. It just says, like, it really is just issue after issue after issue of wanting to set up the status quo. Of writers, like, sitting back there, like, throwing, like, you know, paper balls into a trash can. And being like, you know what I hate? I hate how Batman is, like, always having to do this. It's like, yeah, what if he, like, didn't? What if we, like, (laughs) blow up the mansion? It's like, well, we blew up the mansion in the last issue or in the last uh, arc, and in the arc before that, and in the arc before that. So we have to do something else. It's like, oh, what if he was framed for murder and he was a fugitive? It's like, yeah, then he couldn't do X and Y. He couldn't do X and Y. And that's (laughs) the reason why this story even happened, right? All of these characters get shifted into all of these positions so that we can have that story. And the worst part about it is that a lot of these new positions are tense. They're compelling. His children are like, "Dad, why are you doing this?" And it doesn't really offer any nugget of any resolution to that. And I don't know. I haven't read.
0: Well, Bruce yeah, Wayne. And that's fugitive. fugitive? Question mark. Fugitive. Uh, oh. Yeah, and that's the, and that's the thing too. And that's kind of where you know, uh, there's a part, and I think it's in the last quarter of the book where Alfred Fra- finds. The uh, manuscript that Bruce was writing, the journal that he was writing, and he was like, oh, I'm reading this. It was in the uh, shredder and he's starting to read through it. We kind of learn a little bit, but we don't get to that. And again, because these are ongoing comics and this is an ongoing storyline that I want to say took three years to complete or something, Matthew
1: a uh, better part of two at least. I know yeah. that it started in two thousand two and the end of Fugitive was at least the beginning of two thousand four. So Yeah,
0: so it was it was a quite a long time to have this play out. And so yeah, I agree with you that there are things that end at this book where you're like, Oh, well that is a not a good resolution. That's because there's a part two and maybe even a part three that we have to get through in this, uh, to find out those things. Uh I enjoy yeah, but <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but what? Go ahead.
2: Oh, I, I was going to say, 700 pages in, you have to get me to act two at least. And this is a giant act <laughs> one.
0: Yeah, well, up until... And that's why when I was reading this, I was like, this has got to be including fugitive because Batman murderer, question mark, goes literally up until the part where he decides to escape from jail. And the minute he becomes, uh, he gets a out fugitive, of jail, yeah. that's when I he becomes be a one. fugitive. And that should be that's- in that next volume. Uh, yeah, so I that mean was... that would
2: have been an interesting place to leave it, but instead yeah. he fights a fire guy, a yeah. bunch, and yeah. that's kind of where it ends. Right? <laughs> was that yeah. the last part?
0: Ah, uh, the 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 drug the drug lord stuff.
1: Right, yeah, Bizarro right. Firestorm. Yeah. yeah, and I have a question for you guys, and I've I've read through this a couple of times. Does does it ever tell us the name of the guy with the backward head? I know his name is Tor. Oh, I
0: forget that that was something but I that don't happened. Think they
1: ever mentioned his no, name? No, they don't mention his name.
0: But he is, Which guy? He is a guy, he is a guy, he is a villain that is running around, I believe, in the Nightwing oh, books at this point. Right, right,
2: yeah. Uh, Nightwing, guy. Nightwing, out
0: Nightwing no, I forget who. I want to say it was Nightwing, but somebody snapped his head to where it's completely turned around. That's why he wears the brace. And then I right. thought he had something on the back of his head that went to his goggles his so goggles. that he could see forward. His I forget his name. Are
1: supposed to be mirrored. It's oh, torque. that's what it is. His name is Torque,
0: yeah.
1: but oof. He's, yeah, he's
2: bad.
0: But see, that's one of those things that you had to read uh, issue ten and twelve, ten through twelve of Nightwing to know who this guy was.
2: Right, maddening, absolutely maddening. To, to <laughs> go through this book not having that sort of context, welcome. Right, characters appear and dis- disappear. Like it's it's like it's like only hearing the middle part of a sentence every time.
0: Right, you know, you it's go. like
2: okay, well, this sentence ended at some point. And then somebody is like, but also the other one? And it's like, the other one what?
0: Rodrigo, and, welcome yes. welcome to my world of trying to understand the X-Men. Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Hey, yeah, that, absolutely. Those, those guys throwing paper balls at the basket, that's all of comics. <laughs> that's those guys being like, right. hey, you know what I hate? When, like, the X-Men, like, just use, like, their Shi'ar technology to teleport wherever they want to go. What if we blew up the X-Mansion? And it's like, yeah. And also, let's bring back the baby X-Men from the past so they can <laughs> yell at them for that. Yeah. So
0: I enjoyed this volume. I will agree that I think you have to read the whole thing to get the big picture. Um, I think that this is not something that you need to sit down and read in one setting. Uh, This is something that you need to pick up and read, and then, you know, read about six issues, set it down, come back another time, read six issues, set it down. Very rarely do we read prose novels uh, all the way through from start to finish, unless it's really, really good. Um, Usually you do that over the course of a couple of days. Um, So, you know, I think that's that's with this. And this is supposed to be one of those big collections that you can put on your shelf and people can look at and go, Ooh, you've got Bruce Wayne murderer. That's very cool. Look how big that book is. You must be well read. Um, but I don't think this is something that you want to read all in one go. Uh, is it interesting? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it brings up some good questions. Uh, I think that uh, there's some really good art in here. I think there are some really good writers in here telling some really good stories. And I think we see a bunch of characters trying to do their best to figure out, as Rodrigo said, what is dad doing? And I I enjoy that part of the story. Uh, so for me, I'm going to have to say borrow this because I think it's it's too big and too expensive to really own. Uh, but I do think that it's it's worth reading. Uh, Matthew, final thoughts from you?
1: Um, I would say avoid because honestly, this is an example, and we've seen it before, of the modern tendency to want to collect a story fighting with the month-to-month argument of each book has to be its own thing. So if you look at Nightwing and Robin and Birds of Prey and Batgirl, they are all going to be telling their own stories individually and putting them together the way that this thing puts it together is pretty infuriating. Also, if you're like me, It's a Batman that I'm not necessarily going to want to be interested in, even though there are some really good writers, some really good artists, and also Chuck Dixon involved. It's something that it doesn't appeal to me, but I feel like the way it's collected is actually a bigger problem than any problem I might have with the tone of the material.
0: All right. Rodrigo, final thoughts from you.
2: Um, Think about anything that you like about Batman and the Bat Family and the greater DC universe. Chances are it's in this book. Like if you like dad Batman, it's in this book. If you like Batman and Superman having moral arguments, it's in this book. If you like Ted Cord being uh, ambushed by a tiny robot, it's in this book. The problem is there's a frustratingly small amount of a thousand things in this book. And that's why it's a pass for me. Okay. Like anytime I was like, oh yeah, I'm into this, it would go away for pages and pages and pages at a time and maybe it would come back and then it would be almost worse when it did. So it's really a pass for me.
0: Yep. Ashley, final thoughts from you.
3: Uh, So if you're an insane person like me, Uh, around the age of 12 or so, this is a great thing to read because it'll give you everything you want. Everything that Rodrigo just posited as a negative is great when you live in that brain space and you have nothing better to do because you're like 12 or so, but to sit down and read 700 pages of Batman. Um, I think this story is collected in a much more comprehensible way. I'd actually recommend if any part of this sounded interesting to you, just read maybe starting with the Batman and the Gotham Knights, the detective comics issues and going from there. If you have any desire to read more of it, I do think Bruce Wayne murderer. And I do think Bruce Wayne fugitive is a neat story, but it is super Dick Batman. So like if you are, if you are not ready or not interested, uh, it's a pass, but like this was uh, something that just hit me at the right time. And you're just never going to convince me that I'm not going to read it again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ah Man, if you want to see Christmas Allen before he turned into the Spectre, what? If you want to see Renee Montoya (laughs) before she turned into the question, what? It's all in this volume. Correct. Uh, But that is where we're going to wrap it up uh, this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience.
1: We love your feedback. So use the comment section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this and every episode.
3: Or even better, send us an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com.
2: And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers.
0: Oh, next week, talking about a book that has a million characters and very little in between, My Hero Academia, (laughs) Volume 5. It's right here on the Major Spoilers (laughs) Podcast. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon.
1: Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat them.
0: And I don't care if Spider-Man's a clone podcast is copyright 2020 by major spoilers entertainment llc purchase new wiper blades from
1: o'reilly auto parts today and we'll install them for free see better and drive safer with o'reilly auto parts oh, oh,
0: oh, O'Reilly
1: auto parts